I'm Arya Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Today, my guest is Owen Pence. Y'all know Owen is one of our esteemed writers on Windsider.com and a past guest on our show. our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and you'll obviously be getting exclusive patreon content don't forget to see our staff's amazing written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com while you're over there our overseas tracker is still live yes people are still playing overseas and you can see where your favorite WNBA players are playing overseas all in one place Owen, we've had a few days to reflect, five as of recording. What's your what's your thoughts? Have you gotten your thoughts together? Are you ready to do this episode, breaking down all of the draft moves, draft grades, and draft thoughts? I think as we approach, you know, a hundred, a hundred hours of separation or whatever it is from the draft, I think I've finally gathered my thoughts somewhat. Enough to enough to hop on the pod with you. Um, I, I was thinking while watching the draft, like, I really don't envy the people who have to write on deadline tonight. Anyone who had to just write instant reactions from the draft, I I don't know how you do it. Um, but after a night's sleep, I, I, I started to feel a little more confident. Now we've had the weekend to kind of mull it over. So yeah, I'm excited to, to dig in here. Let me throw out some caveats here. Here's my thing. I can grade a team for drafting a player or I'm sorry, I can't grade a team for drafting a player that has no chance of making the roster. And I understand a lot of people are going to be upset with me about this. A lot of people are going to say, hey, well, you know, we need to expand the league. Nobody here is arguing about whether or not the league should be expanded. That being said, like, I don't fully agree with some of the narrative of this idea of, oh, because second round draft picks aren't making the roster, that means we have to expand the league. That's not why we have to expand the league. We have to expand the league because it's the hardest league in the world to get a roster spot on, even if you're the first round pick. Like, I'm sorry. It's been, for the majority of the WNBA's lifespan, you're not making a roster likely if you're a second round pick. Heck, even a third round pick. So, like, while I agree we need to expand the league, I think sometimes it's... a People try and chicken and the egg it, and I just don't think it's that simple. Whatever. Fine. We'll get into it later. My grades, <laughs> sorry for that little rap. My grades are based on players I think will be on the roster for the majority of the season. Now, obviously, this year is unique um, because we have the Olympics, we have FIBO, we have uh, you know a, a late start for a lot of players. That's not new. Um, so I just want people to keep in mind there are a lot of caveats with this, and I think my grades are going to be a little bit different than I've seen from a lot of other people. I wanted to take time and I'll be honest, you know, I very openly talk about this. I'm not an NCAA person. I pay attention during the tournament. I think, you know, with the help of of many people around me, I ID 20 or so players and I try and intensely watch them during the tournament to get a sense of their game. And then I kind of work my way backwards. Obviously, as Owen and I talked about uh, before we got on air for this one, that method clearly has its faults. I will be the first to admit it. And this this draft 
clearly showed how it has its faults, considering how many people were drafted. And I had to spend so much extra time going back and learning about these players, ins and outs and things like that. So it's going to be a fun one. A little note I want to make, um, and I could be wrong. It could be more. But based on the stats, I have three 19-year-olds got drafted into this season. And the reason I bring that up is because the ongoing discussion about freshmen moving into the WNBA as opposed to freshmen having to continue their college service, as I'll call it. Um, interesting aspect. That's a whole nother debate. We've been continuously asking people in the league, around the league, about their thoughts on this. And I feel like everyone's kind of skirting the issue of basically saying, like, you know, for the majority of people, you should get your college degree. You should continue and grow your game. But I think if we're being realistic, there will be, as the W grows, and heck, there probably already has been players who are of that freshman of college age, so the 19, 18-year-old age, who probably could come to the W, have some sort of positive impact, and grow their game better. Like, I, I, me personally, as somebody who did not graduate from a four-year school, right? Like, I don't think you need to go to school to accomplish your goals. And in some situations, because everybody, I'm a, a very individualized learning fanatic. So like, not everyone is going to succeed the same way from the same path. And I think hopefully in the next CBA, we will address that issue and make it a situation where it's more individual based as opposed to a blanket statement. I've ranted for far too long and we have not gotten into any draft grades yet. So we will start first with the Atlanta dream. Here's my thoughts on the Atlanta dream. Aaron McDonald, great player, great attitude, attitude over winner, great mentality, uh, fit for this roster. The question, as I've seen, uh, you know, I looked at a lot of different people's draft grades throughout and a question that has been consistently asked is overlapping skill set. When you look at the roster, I honestly don't believe that it bothers me that much. Because when you look at it, let, let's make a wide assumption that the starting five is Kennedy Carter, Courtney Williams, Tiffany Hayes, Cheyenne Parker, and Elizabeth Williams. That's not a bad starting five, okay? And then your backups at the one and two are Ari McDonald and Odyssey Sims. Like, it, that's that's not bad. You know, if, if there's an overlap, if you're saying that the starting lineup and the second lineup is going to be playing a little bit more interchangeably, is going to be playing a little bit of a similar set. I don't think that's a bad thing, especially for a team that doesn't have as much continuity as you think. So I think, you know, often people like to think, oh, your bench should have some other elements that you can play, whatever. But if you're that confident in your style of playing, like you're putting all chips forward in a high octane, fast paced shooters offense, I don't I don't see a, a, a huge issue with it. So I'm giving them a B plus. Owen, what's your thoughts on the Atlanta Dream? Yeah, I, I like everything you said. I'm gonna bump it up, you know, one notch. I'm gonna go A minus here. Mm. I think it's I think it's fantastic for Atlanta. Um, obviously, Ari is someone who rose considerably because of what she did in the tournament, and so I think that that's always something you have to take into consideration. Is that the recency bias of what people mm -hmm. did mm -hmm. in the the final? You know, let's say three weeks before the draft. Maybe in a case of like Jackie Young, who's personally one of my favorite players in the league, but she probably shouldn't have, well, she just shouldn't have gone number one overall in that draft. She played incredibly in the tournament, incredibly in the final four. All of a sudden she was the, the number one pick. I think this, this situation is a little bit different. I think the thing that I love about it for, for the dream is that you're getting a two-way player. Um, watching Ari McDonald 
play defense on some of these players who were bigger than her uh, was was incredibly fun to watch and really impressive. And just her energy all over the floor, I think, provides something that you're probably not getting as much from Kennedy Carter and and Courtney Williams in the backcourt. Um, as far as kind of the starting lineup that you outlined, I think that's really interesting because I, I, I think that the five you outlined is probably the way uh, that they will go. But the way the way I would do it personally, and obviously you have to give Aerie some time to kind of acclimate to the league, to the to the pace of things, whatever. I'm I'm more intrigued by Aerie and Kennedy playing alongside one another and maybe staggering their minutes. So you always have one of them out on the court at all times. But then when Kennedy Carter goes to sit, you you have Courtney Williams and Aerie McDonald as the backcourt. And then Aerie goes to sit. I, I, I don't hate that. And you have Court and Kennedy. Because I just really like the idea of, okay, we can't overload on the, the Kennedy Carter, Cheyenne Parker pick and roll because Aerie's just gonna gonna, you know, dive to the hoop or or she really showed, you know, more uh strength from behind the arc during the tournament. And that I think was the most promising thing of of her run was like, oh, if she can start to shoot like this consistently. Uh, she just becomes kind of the complete package. So I, I like the versatility that it gives them in the backcourt because as much as I love Courtney Williams, you know, she's kind of like a, a one-note player in a way. And that one note is incredibly important. But when she's just filling it up, you know, it, it gives them a, a more looks when you have Ariane Kennedy both being able to run pick and roll, both being able to handle the ball, et cetera. I'll, I'll completely agree with you in many of what you're saying i would say that my in my defense uh, because you know i'm a defensive person uh in in my defense i think that starting lineup is more to kind of give those players the badge of honor of being the starters i'm not saying that they necessarily are going to be playing 30 minutes together i think i i completely agree with you that these players are going to be interchangeable obviously my issue of, of carter and mcdonald as your starting backcourt is concerning just the size. Now, here's the other thing that I really like. While Williams and Carter and McDonald and Sims might have overlapping skill sets, Aerie and Odyssey are, are, at least in my mind, much better defenders than Carter and Williams. Right. And so for me to say, okay, kind of a, a nod to what you were saying about interchanging these players to get a better defensive lineup. I do worry about size of Arian Carter, but having the ability of having your, your backup backcourt being players who not only are very high octane, powerful offensive figures, but also really good defenders, I think to me is just a, a, an equation for success. So I, I think you know, it's not going to be a bad thing to be playing around with these lineups. And I think that's kind of what Nikki's done. You know, head coach, head coach Nikki Collin has set herself up for success in the sense of she's not wed to any set players. I mean, this isn't a knock, but you look at where she came from, head coach Nikki Collin. She was previously an assistant coach in Connecticut, where Connecticut is known for playing, you know, six deep <laughs> in, in during, right. you know, playoff right. series is um th- this is the exact opposite of that roster you know they have a lot of depth they have they are going to be playing heck they they're probably going to be playing 10 deep honestly like and and that's going to be an exciting thing to see uh with this is this Atlanta team but I feel like we're we're 
we're going overboard on Atlanta. We got to move on to another team. Don't want to, you know, kill it too quick. Let's move on to the Connecticut Sun. For me, getting Dijonay Carrington, just a steal, honestly. And as, as I talked about in the beginning of my little NCAA rant, when I was watching the tournament, honestly, watching Carrington play very much reminded me of Alyssa Thomas. And I know that there's going to be some people who think I'm crazy for saying that. But there were sparks of Alyssa Thomas in the way that she put her team on her back and she willed her team to success. Now, obviously, they didn't walk away with the championship. Well, newsflash, neither did Alyssa Thomas in the Connecticut Sun. So I think that just adds to my comparison. But ju just the way that she was playing so physical, so dominating, uh, playing close to the hoop, playing great defense, shut down defense. And, and like I said, really willing her team for me. The whole time, I couldn't help but see that Alyssa Thomas comparison. Obviously, different body types, obviously different skill sets, but there was just something about it. So for me to say, hey, Connecticut is missing out on Alyssa Thomas, is likely, as Kurt Miller has been very open about, not playing with a 12-man roster, 12-woman roster, excuse me. Um, I think in this situation, they got the hell of a home run steal. Um, I mean, they stole first, second, third, and home. It's pretty ridiculous they were able to get her. I'm excited for it. I gave the Sun an A for that. And again, I'm just talking about players who I think will make this roster based on this. What what was your initial reaction and where would you give them a grade uh, for the Connecticut Sun? For sure. So I, I'm going to be a little redundant here and I'm going to I'm going to uh, copy and paste my Atlanta grade. Go A minus again. I love it. I think Carrington is totally a steal. Like you just said, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to encourage you to pump the brakes slightly on Alyssa Thomas. I totally hear what you're saying. I'm not sure I see the the ceiling as like the best pick and roll defender in basketball. You know, a, a tr you know a, a triple double threat that type of. Well, well, check yourself, Owen, because you know what I'm saying. I'm not saying I think that she has that same potential. I'm not saying she's going to be as good. I'm saying there's something about her play style that it that has has lots of what give me a sommelier term notes it has notes of of Alyssa Thomas very <laughs> strong sure. notes for sure for sure no I, I I totally hear that I think the one thing with Carrington where where I need to see her prove it in the league is the the distribution and getting others involved because yes. you're totally right like in that game against UConn in that first half you know, Baylor is grinding it out defensively and just making things so difficult for the Huskies. Offensively, it's kind of a struggle. They've got a lot of players who can do things individually, but in terms of the actual scheme, I don't think they were getting a whole lot of help from, from the coaching staff uh, in terms of like generating easy looks. And so that, that, you know, just made what Carrington was doing all the more impressive because she was hitting outside shots and she was getting to the rim and she was getting fouled, putting it on the floor and, and creating separation. So to get her this late in the draft, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you. It's a, it's a huge win. And, and she's a type of player that I think is kind of perfect for the sun with where they're at right now. Like she's exactly the type of plug and play uh, player where you can probably feel pretty confident that she's going to contribute something off the bench this year and be kind of a key factor in a handful of games. The reason I don't go full a with you, and this is getting nitpicky here, um, but they could have gotten, I feel like they could have gotten the double steal of the draft. Like they could have gotten Carrington and Aurelia Garantes and and they didn't. 
they got Michaela Kelly. Mm-hmm. I don't know as much about Kelly. I, I, I would be lying if I said I'd, I'd, I was all that familiar with her game. Um, so I, I do like that they, they went after a guard cause, cause they can always use more guards. Um, but I think they could have like totally knocked it out of the park if they just went back to back, taking the two players that at this point in the draft seemed like best available. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, and the, we'll get, we'll get to, uh, <laughs> there is a lot of confusion in this draft, right? I mean, I've, I've talked to coaches around the league. I've talked to, to people around the league. They're very confused also. And the question that I always respond to them when they're like, yeah, I was confused also is, well, how are you confused? You're the ones making the picks. Like, how, how are they confused? And and I think, you know, through, through talking to Rachel, through talking to many other people, I think it kind of boils down to just, A, I think this is a sign uh, of the growth of women's basketball, where maybe there wasn't as as an obvious large gap between players that maybe us media thought. I think to to echo what Rachel said in our post-draft show, I think a lot of it goes to kind of the power of media. Really, The media, if you look at mock drafts throughout everyone who covers the league, there was a lot of similarities in these mock drafts. And, and yeah. that's very normal. That's very normal. But here's the thing. I feel like a few people just kind of copycatted the earliest mock drafts and kind of ran with that, except as opposed to doing the in-depth research and figuring out, hey, maybe, you know, this these players aren't too off and and maybe there's an alternative here or uh, they're going to pick this player. But in my second version, I'm going to do it. They pick, you know, there, there's a lot to it. And I think it boils down to also either the league has the, the women's basketball has grown and there's not as big a gap or. We just have a few GMs who are freaking geniuses and a few G and the rest of the GMs are idiots or, or, you know, maybe they're all geniuses and we know they know something we don't know. Let's move on to the (laughs) Chicago sky going into the draft. We all knew what they needed, right? The team needed a backup point guard. Courtney Vandersloot played 32 minutes or 31 minutes and 50 seconds on average uh, per game this past season, higher than the season before that. They are looking for somebody, you know, Vandersloot is not a young chicken anymore, right? Like she's on the tail end of her career. And I don't mean that in in an offensive way. I just mean, realistically, she's at that age where you have to start thinking to the future. So I love the Shia Heel signing and draft pick because what that does is you are getting a 19 year old. You are getting someone who, one, can learn from the greatest point guard in the league right now, two, and come at me about that. I don't know. That, that probably pissed somebody off. Um, two, you're getting someone who is a facilitator and a scorer. If you haven't already, go check out her highlights. I really like that move. She's a prospect, and I really don't mean that in the negative way. She is young, and while Awaka has gotten a lot of attention as a young player with lots of potential, Heel has that also. Maybe she doesn't have as high a ceiling or as high as expectations as Awak does, but I just think... This isn't just a short-term move. This is a long-term play by James Wade, and I like it. Um, and now uh, on to Mac. While in theory I love this pick, I do like the bigs are kind of an issue in my mind for the sky. You, like I love this pick because we we talk about Chicago Sky's two issues: one, interior defense; two, backup point guard. And in their picks, they address those handedly. My issue with Mac is how many minutes is like, and this is an issue I have with a a lot of times where you might make a great, a great pick, 
But if you're not giving them enough minutes to flourish and grow, are you true? Like, is that as good a pick as we might think it is if they're not actually going to get those minutes and get to play? I don't even know if that makes sense. But my thought basically with Mac is like with Parker, Dolson, Astu, Stevens, that's going to be really tough to find minutes. And, and they also, side note, they recently announced a training camp roster for Lexi Brown. But, you know, kind of to what I was talking about before, I'm not sure how she makes this roster. If you just shout out to her hoop stats, go over there, go to their salary cap sheet, you look at it and you go, huh, it's going to be tough for Lexi to make this roster. Mac, I think, could make the roster, but there's it's not going to be as cut and dry of like we drafted you making the roster. So, like, I give them a B plus. Because I like the moves. It's a long-term position. Do I think maybe I would have, you know, had a little bit more of a preference for going someone like Dana Evans? Um, yeah. Like, but but again, they the GMs probably know stuff we don't know and have a reason for that. So I'm kind of giving a little bit of leeway on that B+. What do you think, Owen? Okay, this, this is where it's going to get fun because I'm going to give them a B. And even though our, our grades are similar, I think I feel pretty differently in terms of the, the, the picks individually. Uh, starting with Heal, look, I, I think she's a very promising player from from what I've read. Again, I, I haven't watched her play in a live game. Um, uh, from what I've read, she she's you know makes really good decisions in the pick and roll, maybe turns the ball over a little too much right now, but again, she's 19. Um, volume shooter, uh, could definitely improve the percentages, kind of a chucker, but can do a lot of things and and induce a lot of oohs and ahs. I really don't like this pick for Chicago, and here is why. Dana Evans is on the board, and Candace Parker just turned 35. The GOAT turned 35 yesterday, I think, or two days ago, whatever. And you've got about a two-year window here where you have to go for it. The league is wide open right now, and you have to go for it and you should be taking the player that even if the margins are so thin, even if if Dana Evans uh, Im- improves, you know, this team one or two percent in comparison to heel this season, that is worth it. And I don't think that we're talking about like a really big gap here. I think that Dana Evans arguably brings more of what Chicago should be looking for in a backup point, which is like the parking lot range, someone who can really stretch the floor uh, and just, you know, ma- make it so that if she's playing with Quigley, if she's playing with some of these other players, there's just a lot more space on the floor because, well, we don't want to let Dana pull up from, you know, a couple feet behind the line. So I, I would just have gone pro ready. I do not like this pick simply because I don't think you should be drafting someone looking ahead to the future and being like, oh, OK, we need to find Slute's replacement looking forward. No, you should try to win the title because this is a really impressive and awesome collection of, of players that they they have on this roster right now. The reason I'm giving them a B overall is because I think Natasha Mack might be the best pick of the entire draft. Uh, I love it. And and I think your concerns are valid in terms of playing time. You didn't even mention Ruthie Hebrid. Like, they have a lot yeah. of players. They have a lot of players. Um, but personally, I think there's a trade to be made if they wanted to make a trade. Uh, I think a stew do is awesome. But I don't, she doesn't factor in, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pass on a player like Mac, who personally, I believe, like, just holds, you know, people throw around the Natasha Howard thing. And I, I don't like to, like, 
pigeonhole players into that comparison when it's like, well, damn, that's a pretty high bar to be set. Oh, all you, all you have to do to live up to your potential as the 16th overall pick is like become the defensive player of the year who's also really good on offense. But <laughs> Natasha Mack, uh, she does a lot of similar things. And defensively, I think now you have Candace Parker, you have Azare Stevens, and you have Mack, three players who really, I think, could help turn around this this defense to a point where even if they get to the middle of the pack, even if they're fifth or sixth in defense, that is going to be good enough to contend for a title. They don't have to be top three because they're probably going to be top three in offense. So I, I love it. And yes, the playing time is going to be a concern for sure. But I almost think you can you can play it with matchups a little bit. Oh, we need a little more offense right now. We're going to go Ruthie. Oh, we need we need a little more defense. We're going to go Mac. And also, here's the other thing too. Chicago's struggled with injuries, you know, pretty considerably. So yes, they have all these names here right now. But if if one player goes down, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, I'm glad we still have Steph Dolson. I'm really glad we took Natasha Mack. Um, I I just think that she's kind of like the 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 perfect type of big for modern basketball. She she kind of has a lot of elements in her game that are very conducive to the way the, the league is going. And to get her at 16 is just incredible value. I thought Mac was a, a first round talent for sure. And so that's why I'm giving them a B overall is because what I wanted them to do with Dana Evans in the first round, I think Natasha Mack could be that player that like, you know, makes the 1% difference in the playoffs or whatever. And, and if she's able to get run, I think she's going to be huge for him. Hey, I, I agree with that. And I, and Hey, yeah, there's, Always, always time on the Windsider show for uh, disagreements and uh, differing viewpoints. I should also say, I believe it was while the draft was going on, or maybe it was right before the draft was going on, uh, there was reports that came out that uh, the Chicago Sky were in talks with multiple teams uh, in for a trade with Gabby Williams. Unclear, as I have spoken to some people and can confirm that that is true. Um, unclear now what that means moving forward for Gabby. Personally, I'm also like, if I was a GM, my players would hate me because I don't care about your feelings. I don't care about like, oh, it's awkward. We tried to trade you, but we couldn't. Unless I'm going to get a better player, kind of to what you were saying, I want as much depth as I can possibly get so I can make a championship run with this team as this team deserves it. So, I when it comes to that, I'm much more and the utility knife of of Gabby Williams of having the ability. She's played some points. She's played this. She's but like she can do anything on the court besides play five. Right. Um. So for me, like it would be real hard for you to pry Gabby away after that. The whatever that trade was, whatever the possible trades were, it's going to be much harder in my mind to get James Wade to to pry his hands off of Gabby Williams and, and let another team get her unless there's like some trade that really makes him feel that they put are put in a better position to win championship. Cause end of the day, like I, I was texting Rachel this this morning, like would I, did I understand why the trade was possibly happening? Yes. Did I still have my questions of like, are you going to get enough of a return to help you this coming season? But maybe I'm being too short. Maybe you and I are being a little bit too short-sighted with this idea of they need to put all the chips to the center. No. But I think, you know, it, it 
not to put the heat on James Wade's feet, but like this team is no longer like last year. We thought there was pressure of them going into the season with continuity and expectations. And then kind of, I don't want to say falling on their face because they succeeded, but then injuries just kind of bogged them down to a point where it just couldn't continue. Right. Um, but I have to say pressure is a lot higher this season. You bring in Candace Parker, right? You, you, I don't want to say take a gamble, but you put the chips in on this young 19-year-old point guard. There's a lot of questions. If I'm them, I'm like, all right, but now we got to keep our continuity. Now we got to keep these players, you know, because player Gabby can kind of cover the back of, of heel. And, and in ways, I think that's something that you need if you're going to make a deep championship run. You need players who know their role, which uh, maybe Gabby doesn't know her role, whatever it is. Uh, but, I mean, there's there's just a lot to be said there. That, that's for another podcast. We're talking draft. Let's move on to the Dallas Wings. So the Dallas Wings getting a lot of really high praise. And I will say that the I was very torn on the grade for this. I gave them a B. And honestly, I was very close to giving them a C plus. Personally, as we got closer and closer to the draft, Less and less did I like the idea of drafting both Collier and Awakuyer. Charlie Collier, if anybody didn't know who I was talking about, the number one pick. <laughs> drafting two players that, and and I've argued with many people about this, but drafting two players who need minutes at the same position to grow fully is something that's a head scratcher for me. Awak has made it clear she plans to come to and play this season. I understand that someone might say, but Arya, you were just talking about how heel is a long-term plan. And but any player you're drafting is a long-term plan, realistically. Like, no, there wasn't a generational talent to the degrees of Brianna Stewart, Maya Moore, uh, Candace Parker in this draft. But a walk might be that. And for me, I'm, you know, sink or swim, throw him in the water. Let's see what she's got. Let me play her as many minutes as possible. And when you look at this roster with Izzy Harrison, Satu Savali, Bella Allery, Awak Collier, and that's also ignoring Gustav, Megan Gustafson and Kayla Thornton, who is kind of like almost like their Dallas's version of Gabby Williams of like they can play her at so many different positions in that sense. So I like I just think it's going to be hard to properly, you know, get the minutes to see the growth from both of those bigs when they're playing in the same position. And then, like, while I think it will be hard for both Dungey and Dana Evans to make the roster, I do like both those picks. So at the end of the day, I guess, like, if I'm arguing myself, it's better to draft the player and have Matt Camp and then stack them up against other players and say, this is the best player for us right now. But on the other hand, and we've seen this before with Dallas, and, and it's been a kind of a butt of jokes, is like, who's Dallas going to pick and then have to cut so that someone else can pick them up? You know what I mean? And, like, at the end of the day... Uh, going into the draft, I expected 12 to 14 at most roster spots to be available for draft picks. And like we can get into a whole discussion of, you know, older players and, and the WNBA middle class, how hard it is going to be for this middle class. You know, those players making, you know, above the rookie scale contract to below uh, the max contract right in there. It's going to be really hard because a lot of coaches can just say, well, I have this rookie who has a lot of similar skill sets or this player who's on a rookie skill contract. I can save some money. Like there's a lot of top heavy teams. I'm rambling now. What's your thoughts on the Dallas Wings? 
no, the Dallas Wings are like are like the team to ramble about, right? It's just like you you could talk for hours about them, and you wouldn't get any farther to figuring out what in the world the the team's gonna look like this year. Uh, so I think it's like probably the most intriguing training camp situation in the entire league. Um, yeah, I, I mean it, it's a it's an odd situation. I I'm gonna give them a B plus because um, I think that. You know, I, I've made this very clear. I think Awak is clearly far and away the best player in this draft. It annoyed me. She should didn't... have been number one. Yeah, she she's number one. Like I, I I loved that quote that she gave on on your pod on the Windsider show. Little plug there, um, where she's like, even if I don't go, essentially, she said, even if I don't go number one, I'll feel like a number one, and I love that. And that's kind of her mentality. It's why she is where she is. And also, it's like it really doesn't matter. <laughs> but she just is clearly has the most potential of anyone in this draft. There's only one player easily in my mind that, that could conceivably win it in MVP or be like first team all W. You you could convince me that Aerie gets to first team uh, all W at some point. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. But the point is that the point is that uh, this is like, this is the player that you needed to get. So I think getting her, and and then Dana Evans at 13, which just to me is incredible value. That's a, a top five or six player in this draft. Okay, I can't I can't bump you down for the other two picks. Well, right, like we can't bump you for being at a spot and taking a pl- like being in the second round and taking a player who is widely anticipated to be like a top six pick. We can't knock you for that. But also, there's almost an element of like, but. Why I don't know, right. but why? But well, whatever. Well, yeah. So here, so here's the thing with like here's the flip side of that, which is that the other two players they they took personally, Charlie Collier might have a a really nice WNBA career. Personally, I'm not seeing it. I'm I'm seeing her as like a a role player, like a bench player, and a good one, a really good one. And you know what? She seems to use a lot of motivation and she seems to be like someone who 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 would love to prove people wrong about saying that she didn't deserve the number one pick whatever and i'd love wouldn't wouldn't anyone though like that i i always find that like no and i'm not knocking you it's been a widely accepted narration of this but like what it don't it doesn't everyone i mean how many how many players are we going to say that for in this draft 100. you were drafted number one so exactly. like yeah i get it as number one you need to kind of create that poster board material 100. but like dana evans that's real poster board material you didn't go you didn't go in the first round like yeah. whatever go no i i totally agree i was kind of rolling my eyes at myself as i said it i just wanted to 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 get the caveat out there so that then i could kind of rip the pick because personally like the thing you said about positions that doesn't concern me as much because it's like they're they're clogged up at all the positions. Ty Harris sure. is someone who I'm constantly talking about because I think she is is going to be a really good player. She is a a really good player, and she deserves like a chance to just prove herself consistently without having to look over her shoulder. And that's just not the reality of of the Wings roster situation right now. So I don't hate that they took two bigs, even though they took Bella Allery last year, and it and it's starting to get clogged at that position too. I more just don't see the the vision with Charlie Collier as like this this player that can kind of do it all and and carry you on both ends. Uh, I I I think that when she ran up against tougher competition this season in college, she really struggled to. 
to to score points and and you could pin the blame on Vic Schaefer who who's definitely more of a defensive coach than an offensive coach I think that you know a lot of times players are really freed up when they get to the pro level because that all of a sudden the schemes are are way better um but and then moving on to five Dungy I love her game uh in a, incredibly electric scorer someone who you know put put the team on her back in the tournament and really throughout the season uh can just go off and and, and erupt and so I, I i love her game but it's like this is not the place to be taking another ball dominant player in my opinion there were other players right there it's like I'm trying to look for the Alicia Gray mold at that point. Someone who's going to play one of those wing positions who can defend because this team's going to need defense. They don't need another per- You know, Arike is the best isolation scorer in the game already. And and uh, and you just don't need another player like that, in my opinion. You know, you've already got like a, a handful of guards now. Dana Evans and, and Ty Harris going to be competing. There's plenty of other you know, players who are going to be competing for, for those backcourt spots. Uh, so that one confused me as much as I really like Dungy's game. Uh, I, I'm just not seeing it. And I think that it's going to be a really, going to be a really tough situation uh, for Vicki Johnson to, to sink her teeth into. And I, I wish her the best. I think she's going to do a good job, but like, I just would not envy being in that position because it's going to be incredibly, incredibly difficult. If there's any team in the league that wants the league to extend the game or the extend the season longer, it's the Dallas Wings because they they just don't have is you know the classic saying there's not enough minutes in the day. They do not have enough minutes in the season right. to fully use the potential that they have on this team. And and I completely agree. And the question that I would ask even more, and this is a question that I asked before the draft, um, and I apologize to anyone who's offended by this, but like. If Collier doesn't go to Dallas at one or two, where do you think she gets drafted? Is she even drafted in the first round? It's a great question. It's a great and and this goes back to the point that that you were saying too about how I was kind of writing about this in my you know reaction piece that I wrote for the website. It's like as far as you're talking about these consensuses where we we reach a consensus with the mock drafts and it's like all of a sudden before the draft has even happened and with most people you know, kind of just thinking like, this is how it's going to unfold without actually having, you know, sort not, uh, plenty of people who write the mocks do have sources, whatever. I'm not saying that, but more just like we as fans consume this content. We love a good mock draft. It's great. But you start to get this preordained order cemented in your head. And you're like, oh yeah, Charlie Collier's just going to be number one. Of course, of course, of course. And it's like, but wait, why though? Why? I don't know. Right. I, I, I just like d- d- because she scored 45 against like some, you know, super weak team early in the season. Again, I she's got a lot of talent, but it just seems like we get to this place where it's just like, oh, OK, for sure, this is going to happen. And then it happens because, you know, that was it was just spoken into existence, basically. And I don't know. I think this draft proved that, like, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta actually like play it out. You you can't just like always predict this stuff entirely accurately. Well, and I'll say this also: like watching Collier throughout the tournament, uh, amazing defender. I saw some great mm-hmm. highlights. Right, mm-hmm. offensively, in multiple of the games, and I remember I keep bringing up Rachel because I kept texting her like. I don't understand. Literally, this is my reaction when I was watching Collier during the tournament. 
wait, how is she the one everyone's projecting as the number one pick? I know. They're not. And and here's my thing. And maybe this is a naive take. But like, if you're the star of the team, if you're the presumptive number one pick, the offense was never run through her. No. The offense was always run around her. And if she got involved, it's because she got a loose ball. And I respect that because she got a rebound. I respect that. But offensively, there wasn't. I mean, when you have a player who's, you know, the number one pick, the expected number one pick, Vic Schaefer, you keep talking about how amazing she is, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. How come you're not running the offense through her? Right. And, and like, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And and just another thing, just to add on to that, I, I totally agree. And if you look at, again, the defense, totally, she gets after it. And I respect that. And that's why I kind of see her as just being like a really solid role player in the league, playing really good defense. She can hit open shots, et cetera. But if you look at the top five of this draft, the, the players two through five can all go out and just create their own offense, get their own shot. And Carl- Collier is the one player in the top five Slow-footed. who I just do not feel comfortable being like, hey, can you create? And again, that's not everything. In fact, for Dallas, you know, that's probably the least of what they need because Arike, you know, does that in bundles, provides that in bundles. So so in, in that sense, maybe fit wise, it, it does make a little bit of sense. But I'd worry about that in terms of what we're saying. Consensus number one, it's like if a walk had played in the States, this would be so different. Because all we have is like, you know, some a little a a few YouTube highlights here and there. People have kind of seen her sporadically, but it's like you watch her. It's just so clear. This is a a transcendent type of player. If she's able to to put it all together at the next level. I just don't see that with Charlie Collier personally. Yeah. And and here's my other thing. In four years, when a walk is of the typical age, or I guess what it's only like two years, three years. When she's at the typical age of someone who comes into the W, then let's start talking if she's a generational talent. Because right. in my opinion, as of now, I and I've I've fallen victim to this also. I've said there's not a generation. I think I've said it on this pod. There wasn't a generational talent. A walk could be that generational talent. I think people are in the women's game are a little bit more hesitant to say that about someone of that age, as opposed to in the men's game, they'd be more willing to say that. Enough about the Dallas Wings. Let's move on to the Indiana Fever, the head scratch. If if the Dallas, I had to follow up the Wings with the Indiana Fever because if the Dallas Wings are a head scratcher, well, the Indiana Fever are a head scratch. I give them a D plus. And the plus is maybe because they know something we don't know about these shocking picks. I mean, they make the picks that they make. They also trade to get Wilson from Seattle uh, and, and move Kennedy Burke. Um, Every I agree with all the mock drafts you've seen out there. I'm confused why they reached for the players they reached for. Now, am I hating on Tamika Ketching's ability to spot talent? No. Am I hating on Marion Stanley's ability to spot talent or possibly train talent? No. What I am hating on, I don't even know if Haynes is right. What I am questioning is what the hell has been going on in Indiana all offseason? And I love Tamika Catchings. And I say this with all respect, just because you are one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player in women's basketball history, in WNBA history, does not mean you will have a graceful transition of power into a different position like GM. And as of right now, it has been an extremely rocky start. 
And honestly, I think out of respect to Tamika, a lot of people have been hesitant to voice that opinion. Well, they'll say nice things like, this is a head scratcher. Why did they do that? I'm waiting to see. No, like, come on. If this was Derek Fisher, if this was uh, Greg Bibb, if this was, you know, I'm uh, Jonathan Cobb, like I'm if any of these people made these and I'm talking about people who I specifically named those people, maybe Greg Bibb doesn't fit in that because those are people who are relatively new to it. Right. We're not talking about Cheryl Reeve doing a head scratcher. We're not talking about um, I'm trying to think of Chris Sanko doing a head scratcher or or Mike Tebow doing a head scratcher. Those are people who have established themselves enough that you don't question head scratchers with them. Right. And and for the most part, Coach T is the only one who does the head scratchers. And then you find out that he was a genius. Um, so I, I just want to see. And it's funny because something that I've heard um, that was always like joked about was that Marion Stanley throughout her coaching career has always over not overvalued, but valued higher than the the medium, higher than the average of second and third round pick players. She's always found much more value in those players than I think a lot of us do. So maybe this is her saying, like, I know that this player uh, probably is going in the second round, but that's the number one player that we want. So we're going to reach for her because blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know what's going into it. D plus was very nice of me to give. Yeah. That's what say. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was pretty nice. I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the straight C here. And it's like a it's like a big old shrug. Uh, because my thing is, I, I actually like Kaiser's game. I think that my thing is, if you're if if this is the player, you're like, yeah, we we really want her, and you're a lottery team, and you kind of you suss out where the other teams are standing on certain players, and you have you have a pretty decent idea of you know who certain teams are targeting. Why would you not try to trade down? get some extra value, maybe like a, a first neck in a deeper draft in one of the coming couple well, of years. And, and well, I just want to say to like, to, to further pat on the back, what you're saying here. I mean, they, they were essentially, uh, you can argue, okay, maybe we thought that uh, Atlanta was going to go with Evans and not McDonald, or maybe, you know, someone projected them to go with somebody else. Fine. But Indiana was basically the trendsetter of the head scratchingness of right. this draft. Right. And so they might be able to, if they were a little bit later in the draft, they might be able to say like, Hey, you know, we were very confused by all the happenings and we just got worried. Someone was going to snatch who we wanted, but they started, I mean, they, they laid the groundwork for these confusing moves. So, like, you don't even have the excuse of saying it was a weird draft. It was crazy. I didn't know what was going on. A hundred percent. That was that was how I framed my whole lead to my reaction piece was, like, the first, the first two picks went exactly how we thought. The third pick, I think everyone could kind of see Aerie in the tournament just flying up the board. And so it made perfect sense. And her being in Atlanta is so awesome. That was all. It, it it all went off the rails with number four, and it never got back on track. Like the, it, it just went further and further into like what in the world is going on territory. Now the interesting thing that I want to just get into briefly on this, if if we're looking about like because the Fever are a team we often talk about in terms of should they draft best overall, should they draft for fit. 
and I, I'm always a fan of best overall when you're at a position like the Fever are, which is like they are they're not close to contending. I mean, personally, I think if you pulled most fans right now uh, and and had them do a preliminary power rankings of what the standings are going to look like this season, Indiana would be 12th almost across the board, maybe up to 10th or 11th in a few. Uh, and and this is coming from someone who really likes a lot of individual pieces on the team and is maybe a bigger fan of some of these players than other people, but. I think that Kelsey Mitchell's, you know, continued emergence and real kind of breakout season last year is is interesting to to mention right now because uh, I think Kaiser was someone who, again, as someone who I was able to watch less of in college. I just didn't catch much West Virginia at all. Um, but but from what I've read, when when their point guard went down during the season, she kind of picked up the slack and really continue to impress and and has handles and has this this kind of game that's that's sort of electrifying and and she's able to do a lot just on her own but also kind of dish and and get others involved so the the question becomes like which i think a lot of people have talked about do do the fever see kelsey mitchell as a one or as a two or do they or do they just want to use them somewhat interchangeably. Because if Julie isn't coming coming over this season, then you're at a point where you really probably want another player that's capable of, of running point. And so in that sense, I think this pick actually does make some sense. Um, as far as Aaliyah Wilson, like I I just don't I just don't really see why you're trading Kennedy Burke personally, unless you really love Aaliyah Wilson's defense and you think this is a this is a pl- that was just a really surprising one to me. Like I did not see her go. There were so many other players at that point where I was still kind of shocked that they hadn't been taken. And then they take this kind of defense first guard and trade someone who like showed real flashes last season. I'm again, I'm a bigger Kennedy Burke fan than most, but like she went off for, you know, 23 or 24 points in a win against the storm when the fever had eight players. Like she, she's a lockdown perimeter defender She's someone who definitely, I think, has a place in this league and is, you know, one of those players that really makes you wish that players that good didn't have to, like, fight for a roster spot and wonder if they're going to make it. We all want expansion, of course. But, uh, yeah, that was just a real head-scratcher to me. And so the the two moves, you know, when viewing them both at the same time, they just didn't make a lot of sense to me, even if I actually think that that Kaiser's going to be a real player in this league. It's, Yeah. Just, just a lot of confusing, and I mean, the funniest part for me was, like, I'll I'll give you a little peek behind the curtain. You know, as the draft's going on, Rachel and I are texting. Obviously, Rachel broke news of, like, the first, I, I want to say almost 20 draft picks before they were announced. Obviously, not, not the number one pick. Uh, Shams broke that one. But the funny part to me was, like, as Rachel and I are texting, like, we're like three picks ahead and she's like, this person's going to this team. And I'm like, but, but that put like, but this other player is still on the board. Why? <laughs> what, what? What? I, I don't get that. Are you sure? And honestly, if anything more, I want to tip my cap to Rachel because throughout all of this, the names that we kept seeing come in and that, that she was putting out there. If anything, it makes you question your source. Because, because like you with the names that were coming off, you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Is is that right? Could that be? And then it happens. You're like, all right, well, we're just going with it. Got to trust the source. 
this draft really had had me questioning everything. I, I there were multiple times. I really thought, as far as Garantes is concerned, I was like, is she hurt? Like, is do, do the teams know something that we don't? There were some things that were just so wild about how it unfolded that it really made you question everything so yeah even if you got the the best source in the game and Rachel like you know a text away you're still like what is going on this can't be right at all well let's talk about the New York Liberty I gave them a b minus and and here's what I'll get at I think I like what they got where they got it but I don't know how much this draft truly made the team that much better I got, you know, obviously there's still questions about Asia Durr, get better. We want to see you back on the court. It's horrible what has happened to her. Um, and we are sending all of our love, thought, and prayers. And heck, anything else we can do. Um, you tell us, yep. we'll do it. Yeah. Adding yep. Didi is a great, great one. You know, maybe Didi can talk to Asia about overcoming uh, obstacles. <laughs> Uh, or like I, I don't know, going through the craziest life experiences and trying to overcome them. I don't know. That's not here nor there. But uh, like, is, is this team during the off season made a concentrated effort to bring in good vets? And I'm not talking about like run of the mill vets. I'm talking about Natasha Howard, Benajelani, Sammy Wickham, right? Like these are three players who are starters for this team. You would assume. Maybe they decide that Sammy Wickham is going to be their six off the bench. Totally up to them. Cool. Is this just going to be another year of this team having like seven rookies or sophomore? You know what I mean? Like, is this just yeah. going to be an extension of the experiment we saw last year? That's what my question is. And that's why, like, they can knock it out of the park. But at the end of the day, it's similar to what I was going to say or what I did say about the Dallas Wings and drafting two at the same position. Granted you know, they did switch it up a little bit and they didn't just draft like a bunch of bigs because that's kind of what they did last or what a lot of the roster is made up of. But I, I just look at it and I go, oh, you know, you're still trying to evaluate some of the people who were on the roster last year because it's very different to see how they can, you know, when you're on a, I'll say this, sorry, New York fans, when you're on a bad team, um, it's really easy for stats or style of play to go off into the wind and maybe you get some crazy stats because teams aren't you know zoned in on you maybe you get some crazy stats because the team goes oh we need to shut down this other player we don't care about you you're not going to be like there's many elements to it where like granted I always say you need like three to five years to fully judge a player obviously realistically with a lot of these teams you don't have that much time to fully judge a player you look at New York they're not going to give three to five years to a lot of these super young players so my thing is just like one are we just going to be an, an extension of last year's questions of, of last year's experiment and then two like is this are these players players that are going to come in and make this team that much better today? And I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I give them a B minus because while I like who they were able to get at where they were able to get, uh, onion, onion, I, oh, I always butcher her name, Kayla, onion, where, <laughs> whatever, butchered it. I apologize as, as someone with a tough name to another person with a tough name. I, I accept it and I accept full responsibility for butchering it. Um, besides stealing the whole draft show on ESPN with her and her family, I do like that pick. 
Um, but again, I'm curious to see like our like I guess for you to be an A team, maybe not a starter, but someone who's going to be an impactful minutes player. And I have some questions of if they got that in New York this this draft. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you raise a lot of interesting questions. I'm going to go straight B here. So I think the the first thing I want to address in terms of like, is this going to be a repeat of last year? Is I think a very fair question. I think the answer is is definitely no, in my opinion, because last year there was no foundation. It was just kind of like just minutes, just everyone gets minutes and the team stinks so bad that it's almost tough to like glean anything real and tangible about what these players are going to be able to do in the league going forward. There was no foundation this year, assuming good health and hoping for good health and, and, completely agree with everything you said about about Asia that that is just so brutal and I hate to even think about it and I just want to see her be be healthy and okay so badly um if if you have Sabrina and Laney and Howard as kind of like this core three that that are going to be on the floor for all the important minutes now you have structure now you have like legitimate true two-way structure uh, and and so now the the looks that you're starting to give to some of these fringe players becomes a lot more valuable. The flip side of that is that you have less time to to see them and less time to analyze what they can actually do. But but the minutes that you are seeing are way more valuable and meaningful because all of a sudden it's not just like uh, just a total mess where they shoot the most threes in the league, but they have by far the worst percentage on them. It's like, there's going to be some actual flow to what this team can do. And so I think that's the the first thing I'd mentioned. I really like Onion Wede. I think that, that she is kind of the perfect type of player to target uh, in this spot, because I think if they go small, she's someone who has the strength to defend at the four. And if you're, kind of slotting her in between Laney and Howard, you've got a really good defensive backbone there with those two players. So so then you you place her at the four and maybe you see, okay, you know, how does she look? How does Jocelyn Willoughby look? How does Liana Odom look? And you can start to to see the the vision going forward and then and then start to move forward making some actual selections about, okay, I think this player figures in more to our future plans than that player. And so I think Onion Wede is kind of a, a great pick uh, in that spot, even though I think most people thought she was going to be kind of a, a, at the back end of the first round rather than the top half of it. Um, and also major shout out to her grandmother, who was the biggest winner of the draft, A++++. Um, right. Dee Richards <laughs> is interesting. Dee Dee Richards is interesting because... I, I I respect so much about her game. I, it was like the most devastating moment of the tournament was when she went down. It was like all she's been through, all she's worked through. She's just such an incredible person and was so huge for them against UConn. And it was all going perfectly. And her defense truly changed that game, like to the point where she went down and then basically like a minute later, UConn goes on like an 18-0 run or something absurd and the game just totally flipped. So if, if, if you doubt her impact, all you have to do is like watch those 15 minutes of basketball and, and it's very evident what she brings. And I think that, that she offers something, if you're looking at like Sammy Whitcomb, Sabrina Ionescu, uh, some of these 
players in the backcourt for New York right now. They're more offensive-minded type players, not to say that they can't uh, grind on defense too, but I kind of like the flip side of like bringing someone in who's real, just like complete defense off the bench. My only question is like her offensive game is so limited and she really can't shoot it at all. And so you're, you're to a point where when the lineups in which they play her, they're going to have to adjust some things because the, the way that their offense flows currently is like generating looks for everyone and four out, you know, maybe one in the paint, uh, and when Didi's playing, that's just not going to be the reality because you don't want her even shooting like long mid rangers, really. Um, sounds, so I think, sounds like a, a replacement for Lasia Clarendon who can play defense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I mean, I, I, I definitely don't hate it. Um, that I think that's just why I'm questioning. Like again, I, I just sound like a broken record. I, it was my main takeaway. It's like every team was passing on, on Garantes, and it's like okay. Well, why did you do that? That she makes more sense for them than Dee Dee Richards personally, in my opinion. She's also like a Long Island native. You got the local thing. I just thought that would have been a better pick there. But that's absolutely nothing against Dee Dee, who I, you know, respect infinitely and think is so awesome. So I, I, I really hope she carves out a place for herself in the league. Uh, I just think it might be a bit of a, it might be a bit of a tough, um, a, a, a tough process of getting the offense to 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 run in the minutes that she's on the floor because it's just going to be it's going to slow things down a little bit. Oh yeah, and well, let's move on to the LA Sparks. No, we're going long, guys. Don't worry. You can fe- you can go two times speed or half time speed. LA <laughs> Sparks. <laughs> LA Sparks. I'm I'm gonna be a little nice here. I gave him an A minus. Now, I fully support reaching for a player you are in love with. And Jasmine Walker is that for the Sparks, according to the pressings, uh, the presser and the quotes that we've seen from Derek Fisher. I was a little bit too busy uh, doing our post game or our post draft show to be able to be part of that. But <sighs> Watts with the second pick confused me. Won't lie. Garantes in the second round is a steal like no other, which is honestly why I'm giving them the A. Um, and And I think all this is with the caveat of like kind of viewing with with, when a team makes a a a stretch a reach to grab a player you can give like you can very easily view it and go okay i'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt or you can view and go well this is the stupidest move ever because they were able to get somebody of grantis's stature and skill set and projection of this draft so late i'm willing to give much more leniency on reaching earlier I don't punish teams for saying, hey, you reached earlier and lucked out that somebody fell to you later. I would punish you if you reached early and then you aren't able to get a, a security blanket, as it were, later in the draft. Um, maybe GMs know something we don't know about Garantes. Maybe they know something that LA didn't know about Garantes. But what we do know as of today, based on watching her game and what we all know about her, is that is a steal. So how can you not, in my mind, give an A to a team that was able to get that level of talent, that level of skill at such a low value? Or I don't even know if value is the right term, but so late in the draft. Um, Will all of their draft picks make the roster? In my opinion, probably not. Uh, But yeah, what are your thoughts on the Sparks? Yeah, this is this is the ultimate shock of the draft is that is that my eight my first A plus is being broken out for Derek Fisher's draft, which is just like wow. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said. I, I think obviously uh, 
Garantes steal the steal of the draft. Uh, I've mentioned her basically every pick, so we don't really need to to continue talking about that. I I don't think Jasmine Walker is a reach. Uh, I I think that was like exactly who they should have taken. I would have argued that New York maybe could have considered her. I think that uh, somebody who is able to knock down forty percent of threes and who is a an elite rebounder, like an elite rebounder, and who defends is exactly who all these teams should be targeting in a draft where there's really only like one or two players who are going to be like star potential. And so then you're looking for that next tier of player that just, you know, slots in immediately and is doing just so many useful and positive things on the court. And I think Jasmine Walker's that player. Maybe other people see it as a reach. That's, you know, totally fine. Uh, I don't, I, I do think that that uh watts was probably the one reach again i've said it a billion times i think dana evans should have should have gone to chicago and then to la and to all these teams and i think they kind of outsmarted themselves but little little shout out to uh to richard hall on twitter who who hopped in my dms and and uh and kind of gave the pitch for watts which was which was a very good one that you know he said uh she's really awesome shooter was acc freshman of the year hit 10 threes in a game uh, so I, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt and be like, hey, OK, you nailed these other two selections. Like you just said, they're probably not all going to make the roster. So why not just, you know, take a shot on somebody uh, and and who knows, maybe it hits. So I, I'd love for her to prove me wrong there in terms of thinking that they should have taken uh, Dana Evans over her. But overall, I just really liked it. It just seemed like a very sensible draft and it seems like they got for sure, probably two players who can, who can slide it. I mean, they're going to have some really difficult roster decisions because they've got a lot of players right now. A- a- everyone does, but, um, he, but, but I, here's the thing, but here's the thing with the sparks and I hate to always compare them to the links. Like they, you know, look, they might, it's the LA sparks. They're always going to be trying to win a championship, but in that same regard, realistically bear of bad news, you're not winning it this season. You want to build a foundation for next year. And so, you know, I love a lot of players on this roster. I'm not going to name names, but I would be completely fine if I'm the L.A. Sparks taking the hit and saying, hey, we're going to go with this young gun to kind of make us understand what we got out of them, as opposed to going with someone who's already seen some play in the league. Uh, Let's move on to the Minnesota Lynx. I similarly gave them an A minus. Now, a lot of people are like, why A minus? Well, the Lynx got a dynamic player in Renaya Davis. No question about that. They got a steal getting her at nine. No question about that. Most people projected her to go much higher. Real question is how many minutes will she get? The thing is now they are like for for a team that in the past has kind of been weak in the wing position. They are now annoyingly deep almost. You have McBride, Powers, Carlton. I fully if I'm Minnesota, there's no way I'm letting Carlton go. Davis and Fee. So when you look at that and you go, okay, let me just think about that. Obviously, the signs point to me that Fee is going to be a lot, a lot less at the wing, playing a lot more at the four. And Demiris Dantes is obviously most likely going to come off the bench. Maybe they limit minutes for Sylvia Fowles, uh, just so you know, keep her fresh. Whatever it is, the the knock that I'm going to give is the minutes, and then uh, you know, similarly the question of the backup point guard position. In my my opinion, you're I'm not hating on Crystal Dangerfield. 
rookie of the year, well-deserved, great player, has a lot more potential. We haven't seen the best of her yet. My thing is, is that sometimes when you have a young player and, and, and look, typically having a young player backing up a young player isn't always the greatest thing, right? Sometimes it's nice and helpful to have an older vet backing up that young player, seeing it from a different perspective and can educate them. I So I do understand maybe the resistance or the conflict in Cheryl Reeves' mind of going for another young point guard, especially when you have someone who, according to her, was the second best talent in the draft. Although I'm kind of annoyed at the media for not asking her who she ranked number one. I don't know if you've seen that in her post in her post draft presser. She talked about how shocked she was. They didn't have a mock draft where Renaya Davis was available for them. So they didn't even speak to her before the draft. Um, but saying, hey, this this is a player that we need to go with because she's that good. So I like it. Now, obviously, they cut ties with Lexi Brown soon after the draft. Uh, and as we spoke about earlier in the show, Lexi is now signed with the Chicago Sky. So if my math is correct, and I'm not a math magician, so or mathematician either. Uh, so I love saying magician. Uh, so my math says that now they can actually have availability for Chechi Zandalasini to come over. Uh, I did see an overseas article about her writing about how if she would come over, it would be post-Olympic break time, and she hasn't made up her mind yet, and it was a tough decision for her to decide not to come and play last season, uh, which obviously, if she would have come and played last season, I think the eyes on her would have been much bigger this time around. But it does give them the ability, at least from my math, maybe someone's going to come on here in the comments uh, and tell me that I'm wrong, but I think now that they're at least be able to have a 12-person roster at points during this season, which will be nice for them, so I like it. I don't think it solves the underlying issue, which is for this team to win a championship, you need that that backup point guard position locked down. Every other position, backup, starter, and even third option is pretty much set. So my question is, do you believe that Rachel Bannum is going to be that backup point guard who is going to help this team win a championship? If the answer is no, then you need to cut ties with that 103 thousand salary hit for Rachel Bannum and figure out a way of getting somebody who you feel is that position. If you feel that she is that, then I don't mind that 103 price tag as much, but it really boils down to that decision of is she it or is she not? Maybe I went on a crazy tangent. I don't know. Owen, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, not at all. Everything you're saying makes sense. I'm going to go a plus uh, just because I, I, I kind of agree with what Reeve is saying. Like it's, it was, somewhat absurd that Renaya Davis was available to them. And just my outlook on it is like, I, I totally agree that backup point guard is, is a concern. And I, the one move again, I, I'm never, I'm not going to doubt the goat. Like she, she knows what she's doing. And this team is, is, is coming together pretty perfectly. In my opinion, the one move that had me scratching my head a little bit was Natalie Achanwa, because I just think they don't need, not as as great as she is they don't need her like they would need you know that that depth at the one uh, and that's where they maybe could have addressed it but but as far as the davis pick is concerned i just don't think you can have enough wings who can shoot uh, in this league i think that going from 0 to 60 in in a second in terms of their their depth on the wings is a tremendous thing for them uh Carlton is definitely someone who I really like and little tease. She's going to be in the next installment of our 
Patreon exclusive uh, little series that I've been doing. Uh, and she's she's pretty essential, I think, for them when they when they play small ball and and when Sylvia Fowles is is kind of getting her her rest and and like you said, keeping her fresh throughout the season. They have enough depth where they can totally do that. Um, I just think Renaya Davis is 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 absolutely perfect. I mean, her her length defensively, the fact that she can hit shots, and the fact that really the one you know thing you could say. Uh, as as a deterrent for her being like a lottery pick would have been that well maybe when she's relied upon to be like the number one scoring option she can kind of disappear occasionally there 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 were halves of of Tennessee basketball you'd watch this year where Ray Burrell was carrying them offensively and and Renaya was kind of nowhere to be found but her defense is so consistent and and you know she she's she shoots a good percentage and she she can get to the rim really creatively there's just a lot of things in her game that that make me think that Minnesota is the absolute ideal fit for her and to have her maybe playing alongside let's say if they like go small and uh, you know okay maybe uh Powers or McBride is on the bench well then you can still go with whoever the other one is who's playing at the two Crystal Renaya Fee and Dantas, you know that that you you've still got incredible depth on the bench there. Fouls is 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 staying fresh, and yet you still have this really dynamic two way lineup that's going to be a nightmare to try to score against because they can just defend you for days, but also has a lot of kind of offensive uh, offensive spark to it. So I I I just think it was a no brainer. And as far as the backup point guard thing is concerned, yes. It is an issue. Yes, maybe I would have allocated the the Achanwa money to that position, but I also just think they have so much depth that they could absolutely make a trade. It's not like this is the the roster that we're going to be seeing come playoff time necessarily. So if that is an issue and and Dangerfield's just getting burnt out because she's the only one that can that can carry the team at point, uh, well, they have the players to absolutely make a trade because there's a lot of teams who'd be interested in some of these players who Minnesota won't even be starting. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And then I, I just think, you know, while I completely agree that we should be giving, you know, uh, benefit of the doubt, to Cheryl Reeve, I think we also still need to question moves. Um, and oh. you know, so, so it's outlined what she's proving us wrong or, or what she's proving the detractors wrong. Let's move on to Las Vegas aces. I gave him a B minus. I don't think, and honestly, probably a C plus is more realistic. I, I like the picks that they got. I like the value that they got at the picks that they had. Really like Destiny Slocum. Um, and yeah, I, the 19 the year old from France, also a nice pickup. Is she a project? Probably. Um, but o- overall, I like this draft for them. They have a very interesting roster. It's going to be very built on this core of players that are making a large amount, you know, Hamby, Plum, McCautry, Chelsea Gray, and Liz Cambage are all making over 150. So that does not leave a ton of room, especially with the understanding of Asia Wilson is in the last year of her rookie scale contract. Jackie Jackie Young still has two years in it. And Raquana Williams is almost making 100K. So they're not going to have the ability realistically uh, to be running, at least in my mind, to be running 12 deep for all this season. Maybe they rework some stuff and they do make it work. Fine. Um, Kiana Jeter is an amazing story. Does she make this roster? Maybe, probably not. If she does make the roster, realistically, is she getting lots of minutes? I would say no. 
Um, so I like what they did. I don't think it really truly moves the needle considering you look at, I mean, let me just list off some players that are definitely going to be eating chunks of minutes. Liz Cambage, Chelsea Gray, Angel McCautry, Kelsey Plum, Garrick Ahamby, Raquana Williams, Asia Wilson, and Jackie Young. So like, there's not a ton of room for minutes there. Um, what are your thoughts on the aces? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, I, I, I would go C plus. I, I don't, I just don't know um, Rupert's game well enough to, to, you know, speak, speak with my chest. Like I, I know what I'm talking about. Cause I'm just not, I'm not familiar. I like that. They went, I think that if, if, if there was a team that was going to go like, uh, you know, future down the road selection uh, and, and draft a 19 year old who may not be ready to contribute immediately, but uh, make sense in the long term, then the aces are probably the team just for the reason you outlined, which is that the minutes are basically accounted for. Um, so I, 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 I'd give them a C plus because it doesn't really excite me what they did. And again, like I can just say it again and again and again, but the two players that just, you know, fell Evans and, and Garantes, you know, were available to the aces and maybe would have would have made a, a little bit of a difference in a in a title a title push um I, I am a fan of destiny slocum but i don't really see her uh playing a considerable role on this team uh this season and so yeah it, it, this one kind of left me pretty nonplussed i was like yeah that's fine i guess I, those are those are totally defensible picks need to to learn way more about rupert um but it, it really didn't excite me. And I just thought they could have done something to, to really push the needle this year, because again, they're another team that's in the, in the Chicago uh, zone of needing to do everything they can to maximize this current title window they're in. Like it, the league is wide open and you are, you know, I think some would say the prohibitive favorites to win it all this year. So if, if Hamby goes down, if Liz goes down, if whoever goes down, then maybe, you know, oh, could they have used Natasha Mack? I don't know. Could they have used Dana Evans? I don't know. Maybe not, but also maybe so. And and having that depth would have been nice. I, I don't think the two players that they, they took are really going to factor in much uh, this season. Yeah, I guess like I think it kind of boils down to, okay, is your belief that this team is already ready to win a championship and we're just getting icing to the cake or, you know, we got eggs for the next cake or is it we're trying to find somebody who is going to, you know, be the crescendo, bring it all together for us to win this championship? That That's the real question. And I agree with everything you said. <clears throat> Seattle Storm. I gave him a C plus. All right. Storm took uh, the Aggies. Alea Wilson, first round pick, number 11. Then they trade her to the Indiana Fever for Kennedy Burke, who maybe could find a spot, you know, could could be landed uh, on the roster starting day, whatever it is. Getting Burke's a good play, but Keanu Williams, as as anybody who's listened to the podcast, anybody who has peeked into our uh, Insider Slack channel, I'm not the biggest fan of hers. And now, obviously, look, my my structure of that is very much based on what I saw in the tournament. Uh, I saw her not succeed at the highest level. I saw her kind of crack under the pressure. Obviously, it's a learning experience. She's still young. It, do I see her as somebody 
who could be a journeyman through the WNBA over the next few years, you know, getting a good amount of minutes here, but then just being, uh, you know, a victim of roster tight situations and moving to a different team. Yeah. Like I, I think she has a career in the league. Um, but being that game changer, being that person who's going to, you know, sign with one team, be with that team for many years. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, 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 the storm. Give him a C plus kind of kind of similar uh, to to Vegas grading reasons, but very different reasons, if that makes sense. Um, just at the end of the day, like, you know, this team lost Sammy, lost Alicia Clark, Sammy Wickham, Alicia Clark, lost Natasha Howard. And the whole offseason has kind of been at least from the media's perspective, from my perspective, kind of trying to get back to that level of having defined people in each role in each position and feeling confident that they will get the best out of their stars to win a championship. This is going to be a very, very different roster, a very, very different style of play makeup because of who's on the roster to the past few years. Heck, even the year uh, where Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart were out for the whole season and Jewel Lloyd missed a large portion of the season. So for me, being as where they were, with some of the players that were still available at the time, I kind of do question, uh, you know, taking Wilson and trading her. That's essentially drafting Kennedy Burke. Not angry about it. I, I kind of always, unless you're getting that top tier talent, um, I always support going for a player who has played in the league a few times and you've seen splashes of what they can do. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I, this is an oversimplification but the biggest question mark about college players coming to the W is how they're going to be able to compete against adult size players day in and day out, adult, you know, skill set players. And that's why you try and get them as many minutes as possible during their rookie, fret, you know, sophomore, junior, senior season, whatever you want to call it, your, your first three, four seasons in the W, because you need to get a full evaluation of how they can compete against these other greats. And so for me, if you're going to take someone that you already have a more clear picture of that evaluation, go for it, do it. I like it. But again, as we've talked about this whole draft, a lot of people passed on people that they had great opportunities to get. So I can't give them too great of a grade. Yeah, no doubt. And I, yeah, I'm not going to mention the same names again of, of passing on people because you're totally right. And I've said it a billion times already on this podcast. I'm going to give them an, an A minus. Uh, maybe I'm being too kind here. Uh, Kennedy Burke first, you know, I've talked a lot about how much I love her game. And I think that's exactly the type of move that they should be making in a draft like this, where, okay, maybe you're not in love with any of these players and you don't really see uh, any, anyone at that spot contributing in the way that you envision right away. So why not go after someone who, uh, you know, has a real uh, already clearly defined skill set that that she has kind of proven in the W. And so, you know, maybe maybe they they had a little bit of bias because, you know, Burke kind of went off against them. I, I don't know if that factored into it at all. But I, I think that, you know, obviously the the void left defensively by the departures of Alicia Clark and Natasha Howard is not going to be filled by a player like Kennedy Burke or a player like Kiki Herbert Harrigan. But that's a good start. That's a good start. I think they're 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 putting uh, people into into positions that they could kind of you know flourish in, even if they're not going to obviously be these like 
top 15 in the league type talents like the two players they just lost were. So I think that that's that that going after Kennedy Burke is like just makes so much sense and is exactly the type of thing they should have done. And then as far as Kiana Williams is concerned, I think I'm higher on her than you are for sure. Um, oh, like, I'm I'm like the lowest on her as for, and and you know, hey, come at me about it. I'm not hating. I'm just stating what I've seen. Yeah, no, for sure. And and all the points you make are totally valid. I think here if I were if I had to argue the Devils advocate, I would do it like this. Number one, yes, the the tournament was a little rocky, but but Stanford was a team that it wasn't like it was Kiana Williams or bust for them. She was not the, the, the fun thing about watching them play is they, it was such an even distribution of, of contributions. Like um, they, they just would have different players going off at certain moments, different players doing different things and, and carrying them for stretches. And so Kiana Williams wasn't needed to be this like, you know, fill it up at all times type of, of point guard, which she can be, you know, in spurts. I, I'm not sure I've seen it like consistently. And that's probably, you know, to, to what you were saying. But I, I would also mention that like the, the two play, the, the teams, the backcourts that she had to go against in the final four were no joke. Destiny Henderson and, and Zaya Cook uh, really get after it on defense in South Carolina. Don Staley just has that team humming defensively. So they, they're really tough to, to score against. And then we are obviously already talked about Ari McDonald. Uh, just you know, being incredible considering her size in terms of what she can do to to pester you on the defensive end. So I, I think that that Kiana Williams might have struggled with that a little bit. But also, like if you watched her in the in the Pac-10 championship game, she was she was going off. Uh, so you know, if 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 you tune in a week earlier or whatever, and then maybe you see a whole different type of player. You know, I was watching that that uh, Pac-10 championship, or is it Pac? Maybe it's Pac-12. I, I, I lose track of the numbers, whatever it is. You know the conference I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she was she was going off to the point where I think I was starting to be like, okay, is this a potential player that the Sky are going to try to target for backup point guard or the Lynx are going to try to target for backup point guard? And the fact that she ended up falling to, to 18 overall, it's like, yeah, I think that's exactly who Seattle should have taken at that spot because Sue Bird, you're, you're only going to continue to limit her minutes in the regular season and keep her fresh for the playoffs. So you just need bodies. You just need players who are going to, you know, kind of be solid and, and hopefully be able to, 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 to uh, transition into the league pretty smoothly. And I think Keanu Williams is that type of player. She's very solid. And yes, sometimes when the shots aren't falling, it's like, Whoa, what, what, what type of player do we have here? But uh, she she went to Stanford. Those players usually come in with a pretty good sense of of what they need to do. And I just don't I just don't hate at all them kind of just bolstering their their guard depth. So that that's where I land on a minus. I really like Kennedy Burke, and I think Keanu Williams was was what they should have done. Well, we're not going to talk about the Mercury because I don't think their one draft pick is going to make the roster, and the Washington Mystics didn't have draft pick. So that concludes uh, all twelve teams. If you got any questions, hit us up, DM, comment on it, uh, write a review, rip us apart for our takes. We don't care. We love it. Owen, thank you so much for joining us. Sorry I took an hour and a half of your day. And listeners, you're welcome for giving you an hour and a half of your day. (laughs) Always a pleasure, man. Have a good one.